Hi, I'm Mark Brody, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each week, we review the biggest stories with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here's this week's episode. The Justice Department has an obligation to guarantee a free and fair uh, vote by everyone who is qualified to vote and will not permit voters to be intimidated. This is a very important election. The eyes of the world are on Maricopa County. We're moving forward. We're making sure that every eligible voter's vote is counted and that people feel safe uh, when they go to vote however they choose to and that this is a safe and secure election. Voter intimidation is a crime and anyone who is engaging in that behavior and is preventing anyone from being able to exercise their right to vote should know that those referrals are being made to law enforcement. There is no statutory authorization for this proposed separate hand count or validation. It violates the election statutes and the elections procedures manual. The reality is, is there are millions of people, not only in Arizona, but people throughout this country that think the election is stolen. There's people that believe in angels, but that doesn't mean you launch an investigation that angels changed ballots. And with me to talk about accusations of voter intimidation and harassment, confusion over ballot counting in Cochise County and more, are Paul Bentz of High Ground. Hey there, Paul. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing all right. And Chad Campbell of Lumen Strategies also here. Good morning, Chad. Good morning. So, Chad, let me start with you on uh, the the voter intimidation, voter harassment uh, issue. A lot going on this week. I just I want to sort of just get your 30,000 foot take on what we're seeing at particular drop boxes. We should say not all, but some drop boxes, specifically in Maricopa County, where voters are reporting being uh, approached and being photographed and having their license plates being photographed by. um, I mean, I guess we in some cases, at least we have to call them armed vigilantes. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the culmination of, of everything that uh, we've seen over the past two years from the election denier QAnon kooks out there. Uh, you know, and we've been talking about this on this show. Every time I've been on this show over the past couple of years, we, we've talked about election related issues. And and I've said that this this denialism from these conspiracy theorists, including, <laughs> again, the top Republican candidates in the state of Arizona, from Blake Masters to every statewide office down to Mark Fincham, who wants to control our elections, uh, their conspiracy theories and lies have led to this situation. And it's dangerous. Uh, this is something you see in, in banana republics, not in America. Uh, you know, th- this is the, the biggest fears I think most of us have had uh, come true now, come to life. And we're in a very dangerous time. I can't understate that or overstate that, I should say. Uh, it's it's these people out there, they represent all the worst that is happening in American politics. Uh, and, and if Kerry Lake and Blake Masters and Mark Fincham and, and Abe Hamaday don't denounce them, uh, then shame on them. And, and like I said before, anybody engaging this type of behavior should be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. Yeah, Paul, where, I mean, what is the responsibility here of of GOP candidates? We saw, for example, uh, State Senator Kelly Townsend, who uh, earlier had essentially said, we're going to do this, then sending out a tweet saying, you know, I sh- basically, I shouldn't have to say this, but please don't, you know, bring your automatic weapons or semi-automatic weapons to the polls, uh, to, to drop boxes. Like what should should Kerry Lake be coming up and saying, look, you know, let's let's stay within the law here. Let's not, you know, let's not intimidate people. 
Well, absolutely. But of course, Carrie Lake should also say the elections were secure because more than three quarters of the electorate believe that our elections are secure and fair and they trust the results. They're playing to the 25 percent or less of the electorate that believe that the election was stolen and that they're trying to get cheers from those audiences. And Chad's right. This is voter intimidation, plain and simple. And the question is, I don't know if they know if th that this voter suppression actually helps them. I think Republicans, these candidates that we talked about, understand that lower voter turnout benefits Republicans in the midterm. But I'm not sure these groups know that. That's the question that I have is, do they know that they're actually helping their cause? Or are they just such firm believers in the security that they're guarding these boxes because they think it's the right thing to do? Well, and we saw one of the groups say yesterday, this group called Lions of Liberty, saying that they'll stop monitoring drop boxes in Yavapai County after they were uh, added to a, a federal lawsuit. Chad, like, is that is are the courts going to have to be the ones to settle this? I and mean, we're waiting also for, you know, for a ruling from a, a judge in, in Maricopa County. Yeah, I think they're going to play a big role in this, obviously. Uh, you know, the courts are the ultimate arbiter of, of most legal issues. That's how our system's built. Uh and they hopefully are above the political fray. That's supposed to be where, where the justice, I mean, where the judicial branch is. So, yeah, I hope they intervene. And then I hope law enforcement does its job and, and goes out there and acts accordingly, depending on whatever the courts decide. But, you know, it goes back to the fact of the matter. A lot of these people, they, I mean, I don't want to go down this road too far, but to your point, they're vigilantes, but they're, they're weekend warriors. They're, they, they, want, they want to be heroes. I guarantee half these people have no idea what they're doing. They probably don't know how to handle their weapons they're holding. <laughs> they're, they're Twitter warriors, basically. And, and the minute actually that, that law enforcement actually engages or that the courts tell them to stop, uh, they're going to run back home and get back on Twitter and start yelling at each other. Um, but, you know, to Paul's point, the problem is this is this is a substantial portion of the Republican base now. And and the Donald Trumps of the world and the Kerry Lakes and all the other people who are the wannabe Trumps. Uh, they're inciting this behavior and until they stop and until voters say enough is enough. And this, again, not to get too political here, but this is why voters need to vote against these crazy candidates, plain and simple. I don't care what other issues you care about. We've got to stop this madness. That's how this stops is stop electing people who support this idiocy. Well, Paul, I want to go back to one of the things that you said about the vast majority of of voters who believe that the 2020 election was fair and secure and was not rife with fraud. I, and I don't mean I don't want to minimize what's happening at Dropboxes and voters who feel intimidated and harassed because that clearly is a serious issue. But from a political perspective, if you are a candidate right now, what, like 10 days before Election Day, and it sounds like what you're saying is they're basically by not talking, speaking up about this, they're, they're playing to their base. Is this not the time of the election when candidates should be talking to sort of as many voters as they can, as opposed to just the base? You would think so, but that doesn't appear to be the Republican strategy. We've seen in the polls recently that a bunch of these gaps have narrowed. Uh, the assumption is that these Republicans are gaining ground, but the fact of the matter is they're not. What we're actually seeing is that Republicans are holding on to their base and the negative tactics that they're deploying against their opponents, Masters versus Kelly, Lake versus Hobbs, is actually about suppressing independent and unaffiliated and undecided support for their opponents. 
the Republicans don't seem interested in actually growing their base or speaking to these undecided voters. What they actually are counting on is a lower turnout election in the midterms where Republicans have an advantage. They have about an eight point general advantage uh, in midterms in the state of Arizona. Midterms in Arizona typically benefit Republicans. And I think they're just playing to that. And really, they've had a high watermark. No Republican candidate on the statewide ballot is getting more than about 40% of independents supporting them. And I don't see a lot of efforts to reach out to those independent voters. It seems to me like they're just trying to solidify their base and hold on to them and then hope that other folks don't show up. I also, on this voter intimidation front, I think it's important to remember that I think it was 2008 Remember, the Black Panther Party was standing in front of polling places, and there was a huge hubbub about it. And Republicans were outraged about the voter suppression that was taking place and voter intimidation. Now, less than a decade later, I mean, we're talking about them doing basically the same thing. Mm. All right. So, guys, I want to shift to uh, Cochise County, which is not a county that, frankly, we speak about a lot on the news camp. But this will be two weeks in a row. So, uh, you know, go to go Cochise County. Um, there is a big <laughs> sort of uh, row this week about hand counting uh, ballots. Um, v- supervisors voted to do it, but it seems like maybe they weren't exactly sure what they were exactly voting for. And the secretary of state said you can't do that. And then the, co- the county supervisor said, no, no, no we're going to do it sort of within the confines of the law. Chad, I, I have a sense of what you're going to say here, but I- I'm curious <laughs> what, what you make of all of this. Uh, again, I, I mean, this is a direct outcome of the election denialism we've seen from the QAnon crazy candidates and, and elected officials over the past couple of years. Um, everyone told the Cochise board, they couldn't do this. I, I mean, from what I know, including their own attorneys, right. their own elections officials, everybody told them you can't do this. Um, and yet they went ahead and tried to do it. You know, the majority of the board is Republicans. It's two to one. And the two Republicans voted to do it. The Democrat voted no. And of course, they reversed course in the past couple of days once they realized that they were actually in legal trouble and everything everybody had told them was correct. Uh, but, you know, here's the crazy part to me, though. Let's just putting this aside for a minute. Um, you know, if anybody thinks in their right mind that a hand count <laughs> is more accurate and more effective than the multitude of systems we have and the redundancy and the security built into these systems, which have been demonstrated now time and time again, including by the Republican funded ridiculous cyber ninja audit that found no evidence of any type of voter fraud and in fact found more votes for Joe Biden. Uh, If anybody thinks a hand count is better, then they're living in a false reality. And and that is the bottom line, is this whole movement, it goes back to Paul's point, this entire movement from this Republican extremism right now is not about fixing the elections or making them fair. It's about suppressing the votes of people they don't want to vote. That's it, bottom line. And they're doing everything in their power to do that. Uh, and this Cochise County Board attempt to do that was just another example. Well, so, Paul, you know, the, the supervisors who voted for this used the same kind of argument that we heard from uh, Senate President Karen Fan and others who who supported the cyber ninja saying, look, we're just trying to make sure, you know, we're trying to to give people confidence that, that the elections are, are run fairly. But you know, it doesn't seem like the the review that the Cyber Ninjas did really had that effect on too many people. So uh, what do you make of really what's really behind what, what Cochise is trying to do here? 
Well, Cochise County is a very heavily Republican county. It is a significant benefit and great deal of Republicans live in that general area. And I think they're just responding to their constituents and what they're hearing and trying to give them confidence in the outcome of the results. Uh, that being said, I, I think that they they ultimately decided to follow the law, which is a good thing. And um, I do think that the technology and the, the actual way we count balance is much more reliable than a hand count at this point. But to your ultimate point, Mark, I don't think that there's anything to satisfy these folks. And the, the ultimately, they, they, they believe what they believe and their mind is not going to be changed no matter what number of counts. When we look at the Maricopa County audit, uh, the Cyber Ninja count, as Chad pointed out, actually found more votes for Biden, but they just sort of brush that aside. They take in the things that they want to take in and they reject anything that they don't agree with. Right. All right. We'll pause for just a moment. That is Paul Benz of High Ground, also joined by Chad Campbell of Lumen Strategies. Paul, I want to ask you about a report in Politico this week that uh, suggested that former President Trump was not that thrilled with the way that Kelly Ward, the chair of the state Republican Party, is spending the party's money, or in this case, not spending the party's money. And Trump is basically telling Ward, you got to spend more money on on my candidates, on the candidates I've endorsed. Um it, is this like this seems like maybe one of the first cracks we've seen in in this relationship between the former president and uh, and Kelly Ward? That's right, but there's no amount of loyalty to Trump that will ever pay dividends. Ultimately, this is the same thing we've seen with any number of these individuals who pledge fealty to the former president uh, that they will not get commensurate returns on it. At the same time, it's ironic because Trump is using Blake Masters to fundraise, where he's taking the large portion of the money. Uh, from the fundraising plea that should benefit Masters, who's in a competitive race right now, and it's instead being used to line the former president's pockets. It's, it's a pattern of behavior that we see over and over and over that just doesn't seem to be escaped. But they, they're they so afraid to stand up to him because of his power over the base that there's nothing that they'll really do. Paul, do you think that there are legitimate questions about how the state party is is choosing to spend its money or not spend its money? There's legitimate questions about the state Republican Party, about a lot of things that they've done, about what, how they acted in the primary, how they've behaved throughout this entire cycle. I mean, that's why you see people not putting their money in the state Republican Party. It's It's been pretty clear uh, from the start that how they're going to operate all the way back to uh, Kelly Ward's questionable election, where despite the fact that they want recounts up and down the ballot, they wouldn't recount her ballots. Mm. I mean, this is a pattern of behavior we're seeing at the party, and it's reflective of Trump's leadership. So, Chad, you know that it is my goal every time we have you on to ask you a specific question about <laughs> internal Republican politics. So here is my chance. You were laughing yeah. at what uh, what Paul said about the, the state GOP in general. But like, do you see from I'm going to and I'm going to ask you this from a Democratic perspective, like, does this does this this schism, I guess, as big or as small as it actually is, does it matter to, to Democratic candidates? Does it help them at all that you have, you know, this at least minor feud between the former president and Kelly Ward? Uh, maybe a little bit. I don't think at the end of the day that it matters. Uh, you know, and, and ultimately, there are so many different vehicles now to get money into campaigns that uh, and so many different ways to to spend that money that even if the party itself is in disarray, there are other avenues to get that money into these Republican campaigns. And same goes for the Democratic side, too. Uh, so, no, I mean, it does. It doesn't hurt the democratic side of things from our perspective obviously if the republicans are infighting 
Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think it matters that much to voters. Uh, you know, I, I think it goes back to the fact, though, that and I just can't get I can't figure this out. I can't get my head around this. And it's been happening now for God knows how long. You know, I, I don't know why anybody would trust Donald Trump to be on their side and have their back. <laughs> I just don't understand it, regardless of who you are. At some point, Donald Trump is going to turn against you. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're Mike Pence. It doesn't matter if you're Kelly Ward. It doesn't matter who you are. He's going to turn against you. The only person that Donald Trump cares about. And the only thing that Donald Trump cares about is Donald Trump. He does not care about other people. He does not care about the country. He cares about Donald Trump. And, you know, I think Kelly Ward is now getting a little taste of that. But again, everybody in the Republican Party is so afraid of this con man that they just don't have the spine to stand up against him for the most part. And it's just, it's sad to see the Republican party just crumble before our eyes over the past six years because of Donald Trump. Chad, one of the more, I guess, intriguing stories from the past few days later in the week was this uh, break-in at uh, Katie Hobbs's campaign office, Democratic uh, gubernatorial candidate. And she did not come out and say, her campaign did not come out and say that, like, this was a Watergate situation, that Carrie Lake's campaign was, was like, the ones breaking in. But they they kind of went out of their way a little bit to say, to, to at least blame the rhetoric from Lake for inspiring somebody to do this or to make it okay. As it turns out, what we know now, and we don't have the full picture yet, it does not seem as though the person who was arrested has really any ties to either campaign. Do you think that Hobbs's campaign made too much about, about like, Lake's possible involvement or her, I hate to use the word inspiration, but, like, her, her words being used to convince somebody to do this? Yeah, from what I saw, it looks, it appears that, to me that the campaign manager is the one who kind of said that, that, or, or, or touted that kind of narrative that you just put out there, Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see it from, from Katie Hobbs herself. I didn't see it from anybody else on the campaign team. Uh, my guess is that that campaign manager got ahead of herself, but I'll leave it at that. Um, you know, I, and I think it was a slight misstep I, I, in the grand scheme of things. I don't think it matters that much. Uh, but I think it's unfortunate though, regardless of whether or not, this campaign manager is correct or whatever happens when, when the, the full details of this, this individual who's been arrested come to light. Uh, it's sad that we're at this place in America though, that, that anybody would even think that, that, that it goes back to this whole environment we're in. It's just sad. You know, we saw news this morning. It looks like somebody broke into speaker Pelosi's house in, in their home in Northern California. Who knows what's going on there? Same thing, you know, and people are throwing out these theories and nobody should throw out theories until you have the facts. It's always my rule of thumb. But it's just sad that we're in this place in America where where we have such an acrimonious environment. And, and again, people intimidating voters at ballot boxes that a lot of people's first thoughts are, oh, God, this must be political instead of, oh, it's just, you know, it's a random. I mean, not that it's good, but it's a random act of crime and has nothing to do with politics. Um, and it's unfortunate. And I, I hope that, again, somehow we can turn the corner here in America and, and get past this, this stage we're in of, of, of political violence, either real or perceived. Paul, this is, as you have polled and others have polled, this is a very, very close race between Hobbs and Lake. Do you get the sense that that this sort of back and forth between the campaigns will matter to voters? Like, I mean, it's clearly something that, you know, politicos are going to talk about, but to average voters, like, do they care? It's silly more than anything, but it is a big misstep by the Hobbs campaign and the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party came out pretty forceful against this and basically insinuated it was the uh, late campaign that did it. And they should have learned less than two years ago, their 
uh, party headquarters burned down and they blamed Republicans and it turned out to be an angry activist on their own side. I, this is this plus debate gate is just shows that we're just focused on the wrong items. They have lots of winning things to talk about where they can land blows, but instead they hand Lake a, a beautiful press conference where she can go and rail against the media and rail against her opponent and put a chicken suit on video and say that it was Hobbs sacking their office. I mean, it's just, it's become a full uh, circus show at this point. And, it's just it is the state of politics. If your garbage can gets knocked down at this point, they blame the opponent. And and it just speaks to the overall uh, tenor and tone of the election, which is why I think it has a suppressive effect. The These voters that you're talking about, these undecided folks, this sort of stuff is what turns them off and makes them not want to vote. All right. So, guys, just a couple minutes left. And I want to ask you about a story that we heard about in the top of the hour newscast. Uh, Arizona Congressman Paul Gosar has invited the presidents of Russia and Ukraine to Phoenix for a peace summit. Uh, Maybe this could be like Camp David in the desert. And, uh, Paul, I'm going to ask you this. And I I apologize for being flip about something that is really, really important, a a major story affecting a ton of people. Should uh, should we be telling the uh, the Nobel Committee that uh, Mr. Gosar is, is ready for his peace prize? I just saw an amazing tweet from Supervisor Galvin. He said, Gosar just wants to meet Putin. When I was a kid, I wrote a letter to the A-team inviting them to my birthday party. <laughs> I could not put it better. I mean, that's all this is about. I, I, I wish I'd come up with that. It's it's an amazing tweet by Supervisor Galvin. He's a really good follow. I mean, that's what this is all about. I mean, Gosar has been, a, uh, been accused of being a big-time Putin supporter. I think that this is, you know, does it mean anything? No. Would I love for Arizona to be a place that people come to solve their differences? Of course, but I, there's no actual intention behind this. Yeah, Chad, I mean, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't seem as though we're going to have like a, a, a Camp David Accord kind of situation here. No, I mean, I mean, first of all, I'd rather have Dennis Rodman trying to broker the peace agreement oh, between these two countries than Paul Gosar. Uh, you know, and, and secondly, I, I, what I found ironic about the whole thing, though, from a, from a, from a policy standpoint is that in in his uh in his uh request in his letter you know congressman gosar mentioned he, he kind of indicated he would work with the united nations and and their peacekeeping uh uh arm and you know coming from a guy who has over the years uh been one to throw out this the conspiracies of a global world order and the UN conspiracies that take over the planet and all this craziness i just thought it was hilarious and now all of a sudden he's talking about working with the un uh, it, it's, you know, it's ridiculous, though. Uh, and I think we all know that Paul Gosar isn't a serious congressman anymore. He 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 tweets out ludicrous theories. He tweets out very, 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 very bigoted stuff, very anti-Semitic stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's just another long line of, of weirdness from Paul Gosar. And unfortunately, we're going to be stuck with him for another two years, I'm sure. So. All right, guys. So last word. Of course, Halloween is coming up on Monday. Just one real quick answer. Favorite candy that you hope to get? Paul Benz. <laughs> I hope to get Skittles. All right. Chad Campbell. <laughs> oh, man. It's a hundred grand bar. I'm old school. All right. That is, that is really old school. Very impressive. May, may both of your uh, Halloween wishes come true. Chad Campbell of Lumen Strategies, Paul Benz of High Ground. Thanks for the conversation, guys. Have a good day. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's biggest stories with experts, commentators, and reporters. 
You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Mark Brody. Thanks for listening.